Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast, your source of accountability, inspiration, and motivation to become your best and reach your fullest potential every day. Our motto, it's simple, to use our determination to crush our everyday leadership tasks so that we dominate in our delivery of services and products to our clients and achieve victory and personal growth, profitability, and creating environments for those around us to prosper. Let's get this show started. Welcome back to the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast. This is your host, Elena. We have Justin with us all the way from Mexico. Super excited to have him back on the podcast and just excited to dive in with you guys today. We have a pretty cool question to, to share with you and share some information and insight. And as always, don't forget to leave a rating and review if you love this episode. So hi, Justin, all the way from Mexico. How are you guys? Um, hello, everyone. This is a little bit weird. I don't think Alana and I were planning on uh, recording from Mexico. So at some point, probably in a later episode, um, when I um, when I actually have a story with a beginning end and ending, I will uh, I will tell everyone. But until I have that ending, we'll just leave everyone on a cliffhanger for now because I don't want to stick my foot in my mouth and have to retract anything later. So um, in the meantime, we are I am, am recording in Mexico. It could be worse. It could be a lot better. Um, but for now. Um, as we say, being leaders, you have to pivot, you have to stay calm, pick your head up, um, have composure, you know, and unfortunately for Deborah and I, we have enough experience um, and exposure in the world and traveling the world and living throughout the world um, to deal with things like this. So, um, but um, it is important. And I really do mean that if you're going to travel the world or you're going to go on vacations with family and stuff, you need to have the exposure and you need to be able to deal with really tough situations. So um, we'll just figure it out. And in the meantime, let's record. So what's our topic today, uh, Elena, again? Our question for today is how do you lead the fall asleep generation? So I'm excited to hear how you answer that question for us. Okay. It's interesting because when we wrote this question, it was before I came to Mexico. Um, so I have two perspectives on this actually now. Um, one is I'm obviously in a place that there's massive tourism and um, there's very hardworking young people trying to benefit from tourism to um, lift up their families, work ethic, they don't care about breaks. They're here to make as much money as they can, work as hard as they can and benefit from the amount of Americans or Europeans or whoever, um, wealthy Mexicans that come here um, that um, to go on vacation. So it's an interesting thing. So on one hand, you have this generation that's very woke up to that. They need to work hard and they need to capitalize on the opportunity while the money's here to get as much as they can into their pockets and thus their family's pockets for upward mobility and opportunity. So yes, that's, that's waking up. That's understanding that, um, that free will and humans and regardless of what we've been born into, it's not fair. 
but we have to take advantage of the opportunities that we have to lift ourselves up. So that's what being woke up is. I know we're talking about woke up and social interactions in, in the world. And I'm probably going to, people are probably going to get upset at me that I'm clarifying this. And I agree, we need to open our eyes. And I'm not saying anything about all the dynamics and white privilege and all those things that are in the world. Like that's not, I get being woke up in that way. But fundamentally, we're all born equal. We all are born with a soul. Biologically, it's, it's it, we have to, we, we come from different families. We come from different roots. We come from different things. It doesn't mean we're not equal. It just means we need different things to sustain ourselves. We have different biodiversity. We, some of us are more susceptible to cancer. Some of us are more susceptible to a different diet. It doesn't mean in our souls or in a government or anywhere in the world, we shouldn't be created equal and aren't created equal or born equal, okay? But I do wanna wake everyone up to a very strong fact. Equality is an American concept. And in that, when we are woke up, the whole world doesn't see equality in the way that we see it. And so it is a very powerful thing that we have in the United States that we are woke up, that equality in our souls and in so much so it's written to our Declaration of Independence and in our Constitution and in our Bill of Rights and so on and so forth. We don't have class systems. We don't um, discriminate based on race, age, and class, at least not in government. We don't have class systems in that way based on race either. Um, so while we should do a better job and we need to give more opportunity and we should do more, um, we are asleep. Because if we think that the battle is just here in the United States and that the purpose, if we're going to fight to wake up the world on equality or whatever, we have to look at the world as a whole. And the world as a whole, we have to look at the populations that actually represent the whole in the inequality, okay? So if we really wanted to talk about equality and inequality on a global scale, there are how many billions of Chinese people in comparison to any other population? And if we wanted to talk about inequality versus equality, their human rights far outweighs the inequality we have in the United States, period. They even write it into their government. They have class systems. There's no doubt about it. They say it's equal for all. We all know that that's not true. There's a billion poor, right? They're not doing anything to build up those poor. They don't have the same social systems we have that we do. So if we're talking about whatever and we're trying to lead and wake up, the reality is we're still fall asleep generation and we're falling asleep constantly. We constantly, with the more information we get in our brains, we think that the rest of the world must function the way that we do and see the world that we do. But biologically, guys, wherever we're born, nature, nurture, wherever we come from, compounding of genetics and, and whatever else, we come out differently and the societies we come out in produce different results and they make us think all differently. So the way the world sees equality obviously is not the way we see equality in the United States. Look at the Middle East and the rights of women.
So I get everyone. But if we want to wake up, it's not only the United States and it's not only the government and it's not only here or there. You know, this is about, you know, if we really wanted to talk about it and you guys, we want to get active and, you know, the Martin Luther King episode, we're, we're going to go back and release. It hasn't been released yet, but it's a back number for anyone listening in. There's miss, two missing numbers that we have to go back and re-release in the sequence. But the thing is, is people don't realize Martin Luther King was, yes, about disadvantaged African-Americans or Blacks whatever the the term would be, but at the time it was African-Americans when he was doing it. And the thing was, is that's true. He was, it is about disadvantaged Blacks or disadvantaged African-Americans. But what people don't realize is that if you look at his words and you look at his speeches, they were holistic and altruistic. Meaning it was about all people having economic opportunity inequality about all people having the same benefits. Because if you look at the world scale and minorities and majorities, and, and if we want to talk about races and all that and opportunities, yes, there's white privilege because of generations of Europeans and capitalism and, and imperialism and all that agreed. But on a world scale, we have to look at what is the mindset, what is on a global scale, the thing that will tear down equality the most. And in a democracy, yes, we should fight for it here and the government should give more for it. But if we wanted to be unified in the fight for equality in the United States, where it would benefit all the people in the United States and actually help African-Americans and, and Mexican-Americans and Nicaraguan Americans or whatever that come in the United States and feel racial tensions, if you will, or discrimination or white privilege. It's about coming together where as a whole for all people, regardless, it's not about equating it, whatever. There's plenty of, of white people in the world, guys, across the world that have really horrific, bad situations. And we don't know. We don't know either. There's Indians, there's um, Indonesians, there's island peoples all over the place. Not to sound like I'm caring, but I'm just saying we're all different. We all come from different societies. We all have different names and descriptions that describe us. But the reality is if we wanted to make it bigger and we wanted to make it about equality and we really cared about what it was for my neighbor or my fellow other people we have to care about it for all people just like we have to care about it for all animals if we care about animals it has to be about the whole thing it can't we can't pick and choose it just doesn't work that way and picking and choosing no one's going to get behind your cause because they're going to see it as inclusive or exclusive however you want to do it meaning that it's only for that group well, how are you going to get equality and how are you going to grow a world if it's an exclusive, exclusive club? That doesn't make any sense to me. It's like the Italian-American society. It, I get it. You can give scholarships. We're here to lift up Italian-Americans and benefit the communities of America. I'm all for it. It's just a little bit like, oh, if we really care, shouldn't we lift up all Americans? And I know that's funny for me to say. Because by far, I believe that Italian Americans do so good at compounding their legacies in their communities and re 
investing in their communities and their and their generations to lift them up from poor they've lifted themselves up by doing that i believe all societies just like um um jewish people they compound their legacies very well um I think the Italians, a lot of it's rooted in Roman and getting away from socialism and the ability of capitalism. Capitalism is a big thing for a lot of people. That belief system and free market societies and same, um, being able to believe in yourself and the free market to believe in yourself enough to make your life whatever it is. Italians and, and a lot of cultural groups, um, um, groups of different cultures around the world believe in upward mobility but how do you do it? You need the freedom to do it. So when I say the fall asleep generation, this is the biggest thing ever. And to me, this is, if we're gonna talk about money and we're gonna talk about equality and we're gonna talk about being woke up, we have to understand that we have a growing population, okay? There are, there's about probably eight to 9 billion people on the planet right now, okay? maybe less, maybe more, I don't know, but I'm guessing that we still don't really understand population and, and all that. And there's still lots part of the world that have massive amounts of population that are unaccounted for. But either way, in the grand scheme of the world, there's only been about 100, and, 100 to 117 billion people estimated. So think about that. There's like literally 10% of the world's humans ever existed living right now. Over the last 150,000 years, 10% of them are living right now. So, you know, we've grown as populations by war and mongering and fear and looking at each other's differences and going after consumerism and wanting more, 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 more. Um, and so, yes, that's given us massive amounts of wealth as in some places, and it's made other places extremely poor and taken advantage of and stuff like that. But if we want that to stop, we really, we have to face one fact. And the fact is, is we are no different than any other domesticated animal at this point. We live in cities, we have lives, we raise children, we do it in very structured environments. And within those environments, we have the freedom to choose, which makes us less domesticated by someone else and more domesticated by ourselves. So within that, we have to understand that we are no different, that we have to have a food chain that looks no different than our food chain. And in that is where the equality lies for all humans is that we all have to eat, we all have to drink, and we all need biodiversity in our diets to survive. And here's the benefit. If we all know that and we all can benefit from and we concentrate on it, there's wealth across the world. You do it locally, you do it through nutrition, you do it through making sure it's locally sourced and it's off the vine and cooked or on the plates as soon as possible. We know the answer. We don't put enough emphasis in it. There's not enough money to be made in it. Probably there's too much government control over food because all humans need to eat. And everyone believes that if you feed your people, they're happy. It's a false claim. Plenty of nations have fallen when they've been able to feed their people. So um, it's really about how as a whole world, 
do we get so, through some of these boundaries? Do we get through some of the things that are there? And we really have to wake up and understand that the whole world doesn't see the world the way we do. If you're in America and if you're in a free country and whatever, and I know this is going to be controversial, but fundamentally, just because I meet a human somewhere and I go on vacation for two weeks and I think that we have a lot in common and, oh, they're the same. If you dig down into the core values, the way they raise the children, the way they inter we interact in the government, the way we do all that, we have massive amounts of differences. And I know we don't see that, but it, it's important to notice those things in that when we are saying protect our way of life or protect freedom or protect liberty or protect equality and freedom, yes, it's not only important to do in the United States or whatever free country you're in trying to push equality, but it's also important to know that you have to do it on a global scale and it has to be for everyone. Otherwise, it makes no sense. It honestly, like it makes no sense. 250 million Americans doing equality is going to make a dent in the 9 billion people. We're only concerned about America. Yeah, we can set an example here, but we're not setting a very good one. We're setting a very divided and making the division even more. And actually, if anything else, we're pointing out our differences and why we're different more than why we're the same. And biologically, like I said, I get it. We have different ancestry. We do all that. But that should bring us together even more. That difference, knowing that we have, need more biodiversity in our diet, that we have such large um, populations that we're basically no different than farm animals at this point. And we need to have a farm animal type mentality in the way we feed us. And we need to diversify our diets for our health because we are diversified biologically. All of our souls are born equally and created equal. Yes, we believe in that. We all know that. We, we understand that as Western Westerners, but the whole rest of the world, they don't always see it that way, guys. So if we're talking about equality, it's not only about the United States. And I know we think that everywhere else has things and these things because we haven't been around the world to see it, but it is different and I'm not minimizing it. I'm just saying if we're gonna do it, we're still asleep in the way that we're doing it. We are not getting the exposure to understand that this has to be on a global scale. And if we're gonna spend the resources and our voices to do it, and it really, 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 really matters, and it matters so much that we're willing to get violent over it, then it should be worth the whole world and all the people in it, period. Just saying, because if you can't convince yourself that it's worth the, worth the whole world or it wouldn't be a positive impact to the whole world and every citizen, I find it hard to believe that we would do things and as humans, but we do it all the time. So... And I'm not saying that I have all the answers for all the humans. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is we as all humans should have the understanding that we need to go through this together and live together in a growing population. And there's plenty of money to be made. There's plenty of things to be had as long as we can survive. And in order to survive, we need to have better food systems and we need to work together and we need to see each other as equal. And there needs to be free markets to trade it and allow everyone to have their own ownership and their own game in it.
And so fundamentally, all cultures that don't see things as capitalism, like guys, they're not going to be capitalists. You can go as a capitalist or an entrepreneur into Russia, and I've been there. And yes, there's some entrepreneurialism, but compared to our free market and the way we are entrepreneurs, it is night and day. I would lose my fucking mind. I'm a trained capitalist entrepreneur in a free market society. Where that doesn't exist, I wouldn't be able to operate the same way. I have to change. That's how much I'm telling you. Every time I go into another country and do business, I don't go in there as an American. I go in there as a, I know enough about their culture and try to learn enough about them where I'm going in as them. I'm negotiating from their point of view, not mine, not an American way. And I know plenty of people do it, but you're going into someone else's land. It's their laws, their government, their stuff. And that's just the way it is. And for me to think that I have the ability to overpower that, I don't. But if we all came together as a, as a group and a nation uh, and a group of people on a global scale about equality, then I can do something different. But otherwise, I'm just throwing a pebble and I'm making a few ripples that, you know, great. Yes, I think it's great. When we got rid of slavery across the world, it trickled slavery. It stopped across the world. One, one country started doing it was not the United States, wasn't the first one. Sorry, I wish it was, but it wasn't. <clears throat> and it wasn't the last either, just so we're clear on that. Um, but it did do a trickling effect that went across the world. That's a big impact in equality, that there's no slavery. It doesn't mean that there's not discrimination, class systems, and racial things that still go on around the world. I mean, we just saw what happened in Rwanda. There are two tribes, like in the 90s, the Tutsis and the, I can't remember the other one's name. I'll have to look it up because I don't, I'm going to look it up right now. But either way, there was mass genocide. 800,000 people or something. I don't remember the exact numbers. I'm going to look it up now just so I don't misquote Rwanda genocide. 1994 and over 100 days. And there's the Tutsis and the... The Hutu and the um, Tuwa, I can't pronounce all of them, but literally 500,000 to 800,000 Tutsis died. The, and they were a minority ethnic group. And so, like, this is the thing, guys. You have, they're, they're all in the same country. They're all Africans. They're all Black. But they literally killed each other over ethnicity differences or who had control over the government. It does not matter. And so if we're talking about equality, it's not just about race or, or black, white, green, yellow, purple, red. It's really about how on a global scale do we see each other as equal, even when we look the same, because we don't. I hate to tell you guys, but if you go around the world, and places like India and stuff where skin tone matters so much that there is racial tension between their own people and within their own families. That is the battle that we're talking about here. It is much bigger than just fixing in the United States. We have to come together and really from both sides say this we're going to do. And yes, this existed in the past. How do we do it? 
Yes, in the United States, we do great things like we want minority businesses to get bids. So we help try to give preferential treatment. Great. But I will tell you guys, there's major loopholes in that. You can create a business in the United States that's 60% owned by a minority, and you can write your governing laws where they still only get 10% of the profit. And in the minority of that business, you can have uh, a white guy that owns a business that employs communities throughout urban environments, and a majority is Black, Spanish, Chinese, or whatever, Latino. And that person will lose the bid to a person that is a Spanish or Black owned business that employs 98% white people. It's a weird concept. That's like we're trying to equality things. And I get the ownership piece, but I just told you governance goes around it. I'm an entrepreneur. I see what private equity companies do. And these big publicly traded companies that are putting money in a investing in a minority business so they can go get minority bids, the profit's still ending up with the rich people, not the minorities. Just saying, like I'm in business every day. I'm not lying to you. We employ more minorities than anyone else. And I don't do it on purpose. It's not like we actively do that. We do it because the best people for the job get the job. And in our kitchens, who comes in the door and does the best job, gets the job and it's led to a very diverse set of humans because guess what every race creed ethnicity whatever has the cream of the crop period so i take it from the cream of the crop i don't care who you are it's about money it's about economic development it's about being equal and about giving every employee we have the opportunity and the financial freedom to go build the legacy that they want to period it's their choice it's not mine But if they work hard, they can have anything they want. They're in a business. We all work hard together. And when you all work hard together, you have profit. And all of us can have legacies. So if you want to go make a difference and you want equality, I don't know how else to do it, guys, other than being an entrepreneur. You have to go out there and do it, create the jobs, create the revenue, and hire the best people for the job. And when you hire the best people for the job, it gets rid of all worry about race and tension and whatever else. You need diversity simply by running your business well, by going into different areas and growing your business. I don't know how else to tell you that, but if you're a good business person and you are an entrepreneur, you do not even have to think about it. The best of the best come up no matter what hood they're from, no matter what their background is, no matter what their education is. And I tell you guys all the time on the leadership pocket, there's a lot of things I weigh and education is one of 18 at this point, period. Like it's one of 18 things that, that define a person. So if you have a high school diploma, you can still be a manager and even probably the CEO of the company here. Because I don't think that just because 18 of your lives you didn't learn more doesn't mean the remaining 60 years of your life you can't learn enough to be a superpower. And so if we want to believe in equality, that's equality. Every human is born, has the ability to grow and learn. Yes, some of us have more intellect or ability to pick things up. Some of us have learning disabilities, some whatever. Yes, greed. But when we figure out our way around it, that makes us superpowers. And when we figure our way around our problems or our differences, those differences are what, what people pay you for. It gives you value. And like I said, I don't even know, like it doesn't even occur. Most of the interviews I do are over the phone. 
No clue. Why? It does not matter. Because if you really believe in humans and you want to succeed, you know that there are certain humans, no matter what, that are going to be high performers. And in every society, in every race, and every whatever we want to put everyone in or however we want to file them is, it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, it's about the cream of the crop and and if you're in business and you want your society to do well you've got to have everyone that from everyone who wants a mediocre life to everyone that wants to have an exceptional life so if you want to make a difference figure out how to get everyone to live up their potential regardless of race or background or religion or whatever other things we can find um, <laughs> differences between ourselves and use gods and stuff as excuses to hurt people. Because <clears throat> fundamentally, whatever it is, here's one fact of truth. The thing that makes us the most equal is we have to breathe clean air, we have to drink clean water, and we have to have a food source that's very biodiverse in its nutrients and minerals. And, we only, and we're not even doing it now in our commercial agricultural revolution. We don't need enough diversity in our animals, and we don't need enough diversity in our crops. I mean, if you look at your plate on a regular basis, you probably eat rice, pasta, which is wheat, which is bread. Um, so that's two. Corn, maybe some soy, that's five. Um, what else? Potatoes. You know, those are your six main staples. And you probably eat beef, chicken, or pork every night or multiple times a day. Chicken, four. Compared to the whole world, it's a weird thing, guys. You really think about that. When we, as humans, our bodies, we take vitamins because we're not getting the nutrients and minerals from a biodiversified diet. And so we're like basically hacking it, but in hacking it, we're just, we're, we're not doing ourselves. It's not bringing us benefit. The hack isn't working. It's causing other problems, other diseases, stuff like that. So you want to lead the fall up, fall asleep generation. Um, I think the first thing we all have to do is understand the things that make us equal, not the things that make us different. And we need to fight for those and understand that those things are going to be the survival of humanity. Because if we're 10% of the entire population that's ever lived the earth over the last 150,000 years of homo sapiens, um, we're really needing to think about what we're doing. And yes, we've been able to survive as long as we have, um, but we don't know the implications of, of what we're doing, um, the continuing of wiping out more and more biodiversity in animals and plants on the planet, um, what those might've done, what could the benefits been for humans if we ate them or used them in some other way, um, I don't know but we are losing all of those things and we've continued to do it all the time. So if we want to really have economic opportunity, like I said, and opportunity, we need to all look at how do we survive and how do we do it where every person has the opportunity to survive and make a better life for themselves. 
and their families. I don't know exactly what that looks like. And on a global scale and 7.9 billion people or whatever we're getting up to, someone I read that we were creeping up there fast. I hope it's not true. I hope my numbers are off. But um, um, actually, I'm going to look it up. Do you have anything you wanted to add, Elena, while I'm looking at that? Yeah, 7.9 billion people. So I think that, you know, everything that you were sharing about the genocide and all of that, it's very eye-opening information and things that people probably don't always don't always think about. And, you know, to break down the topic after going into these, you know, pretty specific numbers and studies and everything, if you had to give a definition to fall asleep generation, that's just one simple definition, what would you describe that as? Um, I would describe it as we are not looking at the actual, we're not, we're asleep. We're, we are in a daze. We are being very attracted to the things that are popular and we're sort of doing it in a daydream or if you will, like sleepwalking. It's very mm -hmm. unintentional. It's very without thought. It's very much group think. It's very much like, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of things in what we're not asking the questions. We're just falling. So what do I mean by falling asleep? I would say like we're a walking dead. Like for lack of a better term, we're just, we're sort of just sleepwalking our way through life right now. And I know everyone's like, oh, we have so much information and all that coming at us. Um, we were so consumed by, by daily news and by everything that goes on. No shit, we don't make a difference as a human. We're, we sit down and, I mean, we go to work and we try to make a difference, but most of us spend most of the day just consuming nonsense information. And most of it is nonsense information. And so, like... It's just one of those things where that's what I mean. You And you have opinions and you speak about them, but you're still asleep. You're not really taking any action. And writing about it on social media is not an action. You know, so, you know, people aren't going to like this, that I say this. And they're all going to be like, who the fuck are you to be up here doing it? Well, like, here's the thing. I live it every day. Like, I'm out there. We're in communities. We build jobs no matter what community it is, I believe in upward mobility and diversified communities um, and people getting to know each other. But what do I, I, do I do it on purpose? No, I do it because we hire the best people. And when you hire the best people, like I said, you get diversity. So um, I don't remember what we were, what your comment was and where I was going. Um, I got myself off on a tangent. The definition of uh -oh. generation. Yeah. So it's sleepwalking. Um, if it's, we are very heavily opinionated without going and getting exposure to it. Like I will tell you, if anyone exposed themselves to Milledgeville, Georgia, or to our kitchen in the United States, it's a different, they have a different way of life. You'd think you were in a different country. Life because of slavery down there and then segregation and then generations of legacies that were tampered with and not built because of slavery, um, 
it it doesn't just go away. Like we're still humans and whether we realize it or not, there's genetic coding into the way that we work from generation to generation, how submissive we are, how, you know, how much, how aggressive we are. I mean, our brains are no different than any other animal that we just have the ability to work on it or change it or mutate it, I guess you will. We can mutate our own brain would be by definition, for lack of a better term, we can change it. We can make it different, but fundamentally we still have core instincts and stuff that come from nature and nurture that all never go away. And so um, what do I mean? Woke up. I mean, we're, we don't even look at ourselves first to even to, to do anything. So falling asleep, um, like I said, we're just sort of in the seat of life. We're just, we're doing what's expected of us. You know, we want to be the coolest kid in school. We're trying to keep up with the Joneses. It's just sort of, you know, the everyday thing, you know, whatever. But what we don't realize is every single day we are getting further and further to guarantee our own non-existence, as well as the non-existence of a lot of other plants and animals on the planet. And so when we talk about woke up in terms of racial terms, I think is where it's being used. It's more than that. And, and I'm tying two very complex ideas together here. And I know that, and I know I'm, I, I'm gonna lose most people on this, but the complex idea is that fundamentally the things that make us the same are air, water, food. Okay, if we wanna talk about procreation and educating the future generation, I will argue those two too but they're not basic needs, but I'll argue those two too, because it's necessary for us to procreate and it's necessary for us to educate the next generation so they too can survive. Okay, so I'll, we'll go with five for now. But if we don't do it in our communities or our communities don't have the legacies to do that or to build upward mobility or compound a legacy on top of another one, like I talk about in, in Jewish communities or in Italian communities, I'm only using those two because those are the two I know um, I'm most familiar with from my own experiences. That you have to, you have to change it. And if you don't go in those communities, the government giving someone money doesn't fix the fundamental legacy problem, which is no, they don't know how to go upward mobility because it's not part of their culture and it's not part of the legacy. And that's Spanish communities, white communities, black communities that are hard off and poor. When they've been in a society that hasn't had a compounding legacy or a culture that's lift them up, the government can't come in and just fix their problem. They have to have people that go into their communities that believe in them enough, that give them jobs, that show them upward mobility, that then their kids can see the same upward mobility and leverage it to get into the middle classes or the upper class. Since, you know, I just said we don't have a class system, but class system is self-determined a little bit in the United States, although you are born into it also, I would argue. So, um, economically because of opportunity or lack of opportunity um, or history's mistakes, um, there is economic disparity and it needs to be fixed, but I don't know how else to do it unless first we see each other as equals to make sure we don't overcorrect a problem. Two is we, um, 
we look at money and wealth as something that can be attained if we use food as a way to do it. You know, we're, we put, we have more farmers in the world. We have more people um, biodiversifying and trading food um, and making money. That's more lawyers needed. That's more accountants needed. That's more whoever's needed. <clears throat> and whether we like it or not, guys, I hate to say it, but it was never, I don't think, I mean, humans looked at humans very differently before and in value and the value of a human and what they were worth based on where they were born or who they were born with and history is riddled with just that and it is of modern humans belief and my belief that we are all equal but we don't have equal opportunity and biologically we all require a biodiversity of things in our life and in our food and a and diversity in our relationships based on who we are and based of how we're made up. And so it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong. It's just that we have to figure out how to capitalize on those differences as well as the similarities. And so yes, financial companies can exist. I'm not saying that or lawyers or whatever, but if we really build foods in the community and we go into these communities and help them build businesses around food, not only the, the farms, but then the further processing of the food and the food entrepreneurs and the, the cottage business like jams and jellies or whatever it is, or chutney or whatever country we're in, then we stand a chance. Then it doesn't matter what equality is or isn't or what race is or isn't. There's economic opportunity based on that you're gonna you're putting it there. And if we expect it to happen during now generation, like we're just it's just not going to happen. So the other part about being falling asleep is if you, we think that changes are made in one generation and they last or they last forever or they're compounded, it, we really have to reread our history books. Because if we really want to be woke up and really want to be a different generation, we have to stop doing it the way we've always done it as humans because it doesn't last ever in history. Ever. It doesn't matter what your cultural belief is. It doesn't matter. You have dark ages. You have, you have people that believe in an eye for an eye. You have governments that change. You have humans. And in this world today, we still don't have equality across the board. In the entire world, 7.9 billion people. In the United States, which is apparently the freest country in the world other than Uruguay, who's equally as free, we're talking only 400 million people out of 7.9 billion. Like, and I'm pretty sure numbers don't lie. So if we do the statistics on that, it's horrific. And if we're going to fight for some freedom and equality in the United States, why not fight for all and gain the whole world behind us? That's all I'm saying. And why not do it by using food as our mechanism? Because everyone needs to eat. Every country needs to have a strong food source and every person can make money off of food if we build proper systems. Transportation, like I said, legalities, water, soil, animals, rotating, whatever it is, we can do this on a global scale and we can survive with larger populations and we can make it so the world's plants and animals survive as well. But as long as we're so worried about the differences between one another or whatever, 
we're, we're like one species on the planet. And guys, the world doesn't care and the world will go on if we all of a sudden went away. And I know everyone's like, oh, it's impossible, 7.9 billion people. It's not impossible. So we could very well destroy our ability to grow food or make food. We could literally run into a problem very soon where there's not enough food for the world population. And I know everyone's like, oh, and advances and technology always keeps up. I agree with you guys. My problem is, is every time I see technology advance, we lose more nutrition and we gain more diseases and viruses and bacteria that we're susceptible as humans because we're, we've now just ripped something out of our system that gave us the ability to fight those things. That was part of our genome over hundreds of thousands of years of a very biodiversified diet. So yes, I'm concerned. And yes, I've spent 24 years in this business looking at these things. And again, in 24 years of business, I will tell you that food and people's health is very important. But in my business, people are more worried now about racial diversity than they worry about the health of their patients or what food they're feeding them. And when people are making decisions to lower health and lower quality of food and lower things because they believe it's an equality thing or they need to do something, they are not looking at the businesses or how those businesses are made up. They're looking at a very weird fact. Because I will tell you that you make a lot of different, you make more difference in giving jobs to a hundred poor people than you do making one poor person rich. And so if I'm going to survive at a, as a business, I need to keep making hundreds of people more money and then making another hundred people more money than they would normally make in their situation, give them the opportunity for upward mobility. And so if your companies that do that, yes, I will never discriminate ever, but I, I will always hire the best of the best. And like, some cases that's women, some cases that's men, some cases it's whatever. It just happens. I don't look at it any other way. It does not matter to me. What matters to me is the survival of our businesses and the people that have given their lives or 24 years of their lives to it, that have put food on my table and my family's table. And the same people are fighting to put healthier food into hospitals and into the world. And, you know, I really, and I know everyone's like, oh, that's your perspective. Of course you feel the whole world should be this path. You're right. It's, that's true. I 100% agree. I'm closer to it. So I'm more passionate about it than a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher. The difference between me and a Bill Gates who runs a computer company or a teacher or a lawyer is I am in the business of feeding humans and animals for that matter, so we can feed humans. And when you're in that business, you understand that we are actually no different than livestock. We just get to buy our food. We're, we're, and we're just here, but listen guys, it is a very mechanical system and we are still animals. And when we, when we talk about what are our animals eating so they come, they get to us, 
we have to be very focused on the impact we're having in our decisions. So if we want to be woken up and we want racial equality and we want biodiversity and we want to save the planet and we feel that way, we have to make the decisions in the way we eat. And we have to make the decisions in the way that we treat each other, because if we diversify our foods and demand more diversified foods, it leads to economic equality across many, many, many different cultures, races, and ethnicities, period. It's a world thing. And even in the United States, we have a very diverse group of farmers that are coming up if we wanted to talk about it in ethnicity terms. So how do you do that? Stop supporting the big guys, start buying local, start doing all the things we talk about. It's not about just healthier food for the human. Sure, I'm gonna argue that all day long, but it's also about if you really care about um, racial equality and diversity and all those things, you should stop grocery shopping the way that you shop because like you wanna be woke up every fucking time you go to the grocery store, you're not supporting the cause of equality. Just saying, flat out gonna fucking say it. And people are gonna get pissed at me. I'm probably gonna lose some business in the meantime, but if companies aren't out there creating jobs in their communities and they aren't uplifting their communities and they aren't making sure that those employees don't remain a clerk their whole life and don't remain a person behind a cashier's thing their whole life. If they don't want to be, then I don't know. Like it's about all of it, you know? And if you're just buying food for the sake of buying food and you're not supporting the people that are, are local or your local families or, or whatever, then you're mass producing food into the very group of people that don't have any equality, which is, massively rich white private equity companies just saying again so on the grand scheme of things if i were to say one easy solution that everyone should do and be woke up to so i don't know what fully how to define fall asleep other than that we're completely asleep but here's the one thing i will say that will wake us all up you want diversity in humans, it comes from the biodiversity of our food. Period. I don't know how else to tell, it is that simple. It spreads out economics, it spreads out, you know, who has what. It starts taking money away from the big companies and the shareholders. And I believe me, I believe in big business. I wanna build my business as big as possible. Of course I do, but like my goal has to be about the communities, not about only the shareholders. Someone's probably gonna get pissed at me when I say that, but it's about the communities. I'm trying to uplift communities. I'm trying to build food better. I'm trying to help the farmers. Why? Not because it's good for business. Believe me, it's, it's more stress than I wanna deal with. And maybe one day it'll be good for business and vertical integration. It'll all pan out what we're doing and will be majorly profitable. It's what I'm hoping it makes sense economically over the long run as well, because I believe this is the direction we need to go. But more so I'm doing it because I don't see anyone else doing it. And I believe we need to, and someone needs to show the world that this is possible. So they believe it is possible because we don't believe it's possible yet or else we would be doing it. And if we believed it was possible, we'd be grocery shopping different. And if we believe that lives matter, then why aren't we spending our money differently in the grocery store?
and why do we then why would we rely on the government? The government cares about a group or a majority of votes or whatever. It's not always about the people in it. The United States, again, we're an exception. We have a bill of rights. We probably care more about the humans and the liberty and the pursuit of happiness than any other nation. I don't think any other nation even has the word happiness in their constitution or declaration of independence or whatever it would be equivalent. So that's what I'm saying is like, it's, if we wanna be woke up, it's more than the United States. And if we wanna be woke up and make a difference, having a voice and protesting it and whatever, yes, it'll pass legislation, but governments do not last. There is no government in the history of ever that has ever lasted forever. Maybe we're in it, maybe there is one, I just don't see it happening. But the one thing that's for sure that's lasted since beginning of time that's made governments in the world is the agricultural revolution. And societies have built because of that, but food is still needed. Food still goes on. Humans, we, we vanish. But our food chains and our food things and the impact we make on our food from generation to generation is monumental. And our decisions that we're making right now and the way that we buy food has more impact on the world than it's ever had before. And we are negatively affecting the world in the way that we shop. Whether we see it or not, we are. For something we do more than anything else that we need to live, we do it with the least amount of intention. And we do it with the least amount of knowledge on the subject matter. And so if I really wanted to go fall asleep in, in the terms that we used to talk about it at and food, it'd be we live with a generation that in the history of humans, probably ever, since the agricultural revolution, we know we know the least amount of food about food as an individual human as ever. Back in the day, we knew what berries to eat. We knew what mushrooms grew under which trees that were poisonous and which ones weren't, or which, which animals were to be eaten when, or how to fatten up a lamb or whatever and shear it off the herd. Like we just did it differently and we biodiversified, but we had a lot more knowledge of our food, the nutrients, what healed our body, what didn't heal our body, what did it. And so what's replaced that, the agricultural revolution, not needing to worry about what we eat as much and going to work and getting as much food as we can so we can keep growing the population without starving all important it's just we've now skipped over the part where we going to survive or where we grew at a rate that made it so all humans cooperated together because that's the real problem guys is we blew up we went through an industrial revolution the world got really huge and we never fixed the problem of being able to cooperate together and thus the word that's used is inequality, but it's really, it's our inability to cooperate with one another. So I went way longer. We were supposed to record two podcasts today, but we're only gonna record one. Um, and I really went on way longer and didn't give Elena much time, but it's, um, 
I'm hearing a lot of it and I, and I, I hear a lot more and more, you know, we talk about a lot in the kitchens, um, everyone. And I guarantee most of the people in the kitchen, even if there's biases, um, they know that the other person has their back and wants to make sure that their families are taken care of. Um, and they know that if they don't work hard or they get stuck in biases, that they're literally just robbing money from one person to another. And we can very much, very well believe in equality if we're going to take equality from someone else and make them make it so they have inequality. So, you know, I think that. You know, when it comes down to it, equality is about the opportunity and the economic opportunity. And if we want to give that to the world, um, we need to produce more food and we need more farmers. And there's plenty of money to be pushed into farming and smaller farmings and specific types of farmings that biodiversify. So if we want to be woke up, that's woke up. We need, we need to eat we need to eat better and we need to make better choices. So um, if we woke up to one thing, it'd be we, we eat the least amount of biodiversity than that we've ever had in our lives, you know, as humans, maybe not over if arguably over the last few hundred years, it's gotten worse as we've gotten more um, settled and, and not colonized and move around on ships and stuff like that to try different foods, just based on necessity. Now that we've been able to use preservatives and um, freezing stuff, we've been able to just support the things that do better and that do better with preservatives or do better with transportation or do better with whatever. And it's led to inequality in our biodiversity. So if you ask me and, and, how we wake up or, or how we, we be less asleep. Um, just start at the grocery store. I mean, look at where your food comes from, who, what farm is it? What company owns that company? Cause I just find it totally interesting that we're, we care about, um, equality yet. Then we go to a business and shop at the grocery store and it's an all white company that's owned 100% by a Dutch company in the Netherlands, which probably doesn't have a single, very few black people in it. I'm just saying, do we actually like, it's good to get out there and, and talk about it, but do we do the research and, and understand the impact that we're having? If you wanna have an impact, it's economic. Even Martin Luther King, like that was this big thing, boycott the buses, hit it where it hurts economically if you want economic opportunity. So like I said, look at where you're buying your food. Look at who's your food's from. Who are the shareholders in that company? Is it leading to economic opportunity that you want? I know I'm probably going to, I am a, a white male saying this. And so both sides are going to be like, what are you doing? I'm sure of any argument, whatever the argument that I'm having, which I'm having none other than if you really want equality, it's as simple as we've got to all focus on the fact that we eat. And we've all got to focus on that. If we don't fix this problem, our generations and our legacies, regardless of race, color, ethnicity, whatever, we're done. We have a natural disaster or the earth shifts a little bit and we're not 
we got rid of the plants and animals that would adjusted to that shift, we're screwed. Hate to say it, guys, but the animals that we deal with right now are just in our current climate area. And whether we've realized it or not, we're just fortunate enough to be the 10% of humans that, that are living in the most climate stable time. When everyone's like, oh, the climate and what's going on? It's the most stable it's ever been in the history of ever. Again, we as humans are not always gonna have the stability. Things change. Are we gonna be able to survive? If we are, shouldn't we have access to as much biodiversity as we can to ensure we're gonna survive? What animal did we accidentally kill off that we may be able to eat down the road or domesticate down the road um, that because it wiped out all the cows or all the sheep? Um, it happens and we have to be prepared and we're fortunate enough to make sure that we control things, but we saw COVID go around the world in no time. So the fear for me is not just us. My fear is what if that was our animal supply? What if that's 1 billion cows across the earth? We have 1 billion cows that feed, 1 billion cows that feed us right now. 25 billion chickens that feed us right now. You need 25 billion chickens to feed 9.7.9 or 7.9 million billion Americans. I mean, billion uh, world inhabitants, humans, sorry. That's crazy numbers. Think about that. Billions of pigs, billions of sheep. Yet we only have a few hundred thousand elephants and not even, you know, maybe a thousand rhinoceroses. What if rhinoceroses were the only thing that could supply live through a solar flare because they've lived on this planet so long and we killed them off. And, but yet we needed to get them to procreate and we needed to domesticate them and we needed to turn them into cows. I know I'm fucking sound crazy, but it has been our history. If I didn't know it was our history, then I wouldn't be saying it. How many animals did we rely on throughout history that we have extinct as our food sources? How many plants have we relied on as humans that are now extinct? We don't do it intentionally. We do it by accident. But the problem now is we're so dependent on very few that if a global crisis like a COVID of cows happen, it would cause us a serious problem. Can you imagine a billion cows? Okay, roughly two to uh, 1,200 pounds each disappears off the entire planet suddenly. How much food just disappeared? That's 1.2 trillion pounds for anyone that needs to do the math of meat on the planet at any given time to feed a humans. 1.2 trillion pounds. So if we want to be woke up and we want to do all that, we have to embrace not only diversity and differences in humans, but we have to do it in our animal supply chain and we have to start buying that way and if we want economic diversity like we have to start looking where we're buying from i'm not saying the big guys don't matter and we don't need them and mass production isn't good for economic prosperity 
but if you care, you know, it's not only about supporting black businesses or Spanish businesses or whatever Italian businesses or Jewish businesses if you're in those communities. <clears throat> it's about supporting all businesses and it's about supporting the businesses that have diversity, not just who they're owned by. What are they doing in their communities? Are they just a person behind a name? I can't tell you how many celebrities I know have food companies that never do any food or run their companies that just use their name and their minority status to get contracts. And it's a bunch of white guys and mostly white company behind them. It's a very weird concept, guys, and I'm sorry to say it, but it even makes me uncomfortable seeing that. It makes me feel like someone's being taken advantage of. And I know it goes against whatever, but that is what is going on. And as an entrepreneur, they're just looking through loopholes. They're looking for different loopholes than I do. And the minority loophole guys, I know everyone's doing it, but it is a loophole for people to make money and take advantage of the system and take advantage of the minorities. It has its good causes and it has its benefits, but if you're here to make money and you're an entrepreneur and, and you do whatever and you don't have the moral and ethics that keep you from doing that, and or you're someone that believes that it's a necessary evil just to take what you can get and who cares if it's a bunch of guys behind the scenes or I don't care as long as my family and my money's taken care of, okay. We know what that is, but to pretend that we're benefiting and under the world world because we're giving it a title um, without actually understanding the context, I think is, is hard. And so, you know, I'm saying this for everyone's benefit. Like it's people, we put policies and, and laws into place and people find ways around them and they make money off it. It's what people do. Um, it's, and how far they're willing to do or take advantage of it or whom they're willing to take advantage of depends on how important the money is and how important humans are to them or any humans. <clears throat> because most of the time, if someone's willing to take care of, take advantage of one minority versus another, they're willing to take advantage of anyone. It doesn't matter what color you are, quote unquote. And lastly, just so we're aware, race and class and color and all that, it was just a stupid way for humans to account for things. It never meant to have the impact it had today. It was just a meant to account for things in the way life was before. And it became class system oriented and stuff like that. It was just a way we identified things and kept track of things. And so, you know, Justin's Italian, he's American, he's Caucasian, he's got brown hair, he's got green eyes, and, you know, whatever, 192 pounds. Those are all things that I am different than every other person. No one person probably has all the exact same specs as I do, I'm guessing. Five foot 11, three quarters. So, um, 
I need different things for me to, to function to highest of my potential. Someone else needs it different than them, but it's all of our superpowers. And I'm going to shut up now because I, this went way too on too long, but mainly if we embrace our differences as each other's superpowers and we really try to figure this out and we look at each other's biological differences um, while keeping in mind we were all born or created equal um, regardless um, in our souls, um, we can use that biological differences and bio and things to make sure that the human race goes on. And that understanding that we all need to get along and we all are the key to our own futures. We've evolved. We've all been here. We're all here, all 7.9 billion of us and not all of our ancestors because we evolved compared to them. Whether it was because I had tanner skin or, or whether my hair was blonde or I was more able to handle the cold weather versus you know, an Italian person like me that's better suited maybe for the hot weather. It's just, you know, we need to understand that those things are also important and they're also important for our survival because regardless of if Justin Bizarro's child goes on in the world, which there is none, I have stepchildren. What matters is that the human race goes on and that other children go on and that we make sure that we continue to have humans that um, are compounding legacies or are diverse enough that whatever happens, if there's one group that's more susceptible to a natural disaster than another, then, or a virus or a bacteria, that we still have the diversity in our populations to make sure that we can go on as humans. I know it's crazy, but like, if we really think about it, that is all we're meant to do. Like we're built to eat, sleep, drink, procreate, and pass it on to the next generation. Like procreation and passing on the next generation is a big part of every animal species survival, but it's way more important to humans because of our intellect and our ability to communicate and have complex conversations. So. All right. I really, sorry about that, Elena. I, that's we okay. Really it was nice to, to listen for one episode and just kind of take a back seat and hear all of your different thoughts and opinions. So I actually enjoyed listening to that. So thank you. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we're going to get feedback and we'll probably have to readdress it because um, this is the first podcast and I was all over the board. And I know guys, I'm more or less, I'm not trying to touch any boundaries or upset anyone. If I have, it's more or less just to get us to start thinking about what would it really mean? And what, if we're going to simplify a solution, it's not just plant-based protein. Like if we're going to simplify the solution, it's all humans, equality through biodiversity. Just saying, like, I don't know how else to do it. I like logically, I, it makes so much sense to me. I, I, and I know food systems are complex, but really they're complex for a reason because we as humans are complex. We're the most complex beings ever to exist, at least on this planet. So 
the complexity is in our solution, but the simplicity is in the decisions each one of us humans make in our food. Like it's kind of crazy, but literally it's that simple. Because there's nothing more that has a greater impact. Think of the value of 1 billion cows on a global scale, 1.2 trillion pounds. 1.2 trillion pounds of meat. Let's argue it's a dollar a pound. That's still $1.2 trillion in just cows. Most likely it's higher than that, but in all the byproducts you sell off. <clears throat> but it is a big thing. It is a huge impact. Imagine if all those cows ate grass instead of corn. And imagine if we then turned all those cornfields into more biodiverse fields. And imagine if we lessened our consumption so we and found better environmental uh, friendly things so we didn't need to use corn for fuel and could use those fields for other food. And we didn't need to use corn for plastic. You know, those are all we call agriculture, but we're not feeding anyone. So I don't know. We'll see what happens when this episode goes out. I'm always interested. The ones that sort of catch and the ones that don't are the ones that people give comments on and the ones that sort of fade into oblivion. So um, we'll see what happens here. But please, if I offended anyone or upset anyone, it was not intentional. I'm a very, very, very Actually, I would say I'm black and white on this, not to be, not to confuse the racial term, but it's pretty simple to me. It's, you have, if you're a high performer, I, I want the best of the best. I don't care. I'm in this to be the best food company in the world. I'm in this to make sure that the food systems we leave behind are an example of what the food systems should be in the future if we're going to survive as humans. And in order for me to do that, I need a diverse group of people with a diverse group of knowledge that believe in the same things we do. And I honestly, the diversity, when I mean diversity, I'm talking about in the knowledge and in the, um, in the experiences and exposures in their life. I'm not talking about diversity in terms of color or ethnicity. Um, so um, that to me is diversity. And in that diversity is if, you're a good leader, you wanna be the dumbest in the room and you diversify yourself with the smartest people in the, in the world or the most exposed, experienced and educated in those areas and you listen to them. And if you really truly do that, I can tell you from 24 years of experience um, of never thinking of life that way, um, that we have the best of the best. And there are every color, creed, religion, ethnicity you can imagine really like i think we have it all amongst all the kitchens um even have a samoan uh, uh in california may i don't know if we still do but even that as random as that is we have some we have had samoans very small population so like i believe in the best of the best and guys guess what there are certain groups of people, whatever, and this is not racist, that like being in the freezers more than others. They don't mind it. And there's a certain group of people that would rather work in hot food and be hot all day. It has nothing to do with what race or whatever they are. 
And I said certain groups of people and everyone thought I meant race right off the bat. What I'm talking about is I'm talking about a preference. Certain people prefer hot weather, certain people prefer cold weather. And we group those people together in that. So certain groups of people prefer hot weather, certain groups prefer cold weather. It doesn't matter race, creed, color, or whatever. I can tell you from my own experience, I prefer the, air can, the heat on high and Deborah prefers the heat on 68. I would prefer like 72, even 74. I'm like, uh, the money, I would like to be hot. Don't like really wearing a lot of clothes. That's my thing. But she likes it at 68. It's, she's more frugal. She's worried about the money. She doesn't like being hot. She's a different group of people in that sense. If I group things together, because that's all it is, is we have use accounting and we group people together to account for things, to keep track of things. So by unintentionally and keeping track of things, we made everyone economically or racially unequal over the years. So we just need to stop it. It's that simple. And the way to stop it is really look at how we affect the world. And food is it. Like we buy pepper, it's from Vietnam. We have a global impact in the way we buy pepper. Black pepper, 100%. The world market, most of the pepper lives in Vietnam. Just saying you are affecting a large minority group of people if we consider Vietnamese minority group. They're also communist. So, well, thank you for sharing all of that with us. I know this episode was a bit longer than some of our other episodes, but if you guys have any feedback, you can always reach out to us over on Facebook or over on Instagram at Centurion Leadership Battalion. Justin also has his own personal pages. You can reach out to him there. I believe your username is just Justin Bizarro, two Z's, two R's. Is that correct? That's correct. Awesome. We can link that below too in the description if you guys need just easy access to those links. But we appreciate you listening in. Please send over any feedback and any other points of this podcast episode that you would like us to continue the conversation on because we're always happy to dive deeper or answer any questions that you may have. Justin, you have anything to add? No, I do not. And please, guys, if I've offended anyone or or I need to be woke up in any way. Um, please feel free to reach out. I, like I said, it's not intentional. It's more or less trying to get everyone to start thinking about better ways and ideas to, um, to sort of handle today's problems. So thanks, Elena. Thank you guys. Have a great day.